Hey, good to see you again. No, it's been a second. Just wanted to check in before we get into today's episode. It's a big one. Kind of doing a little tiny one episode mini series of itself because New Balance is such a behemoth uh, of a brand in our network. As always, thank you for coming back and listening to episode over episode. We've got a great series coming up after this conversation today. And as always, if you'd like to learn more about the brands that we feature, or if you have a brand and would like to get involved in all the things we do at American Field, check us out on Instagram at shopaf.co. All right, I think that's all I got for you guys. Let's dive into the conversation with Chris. Thanks again. Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I look to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down. Grab a whiskey or coffee or beer and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is brought to you by the Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found. Hey, welcome back to AF Fireside. Excited to have you with us today. Also excited to have Chris Davis, our guest today. He's the CMO at New Balance. Uh, I feel more confident than any brand we've had on before that if you're listening, you know what New Balance is. You've seen them. You could walk out on the street and probably see a couple pairs on people's feet just walking around. Chris, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to uh, chat with you guys about New Balance and where we're headed. For sure. So, Chris, where where are we talking to you from today? I am right outside of Boston in Concord, Massachusetts, just enjoying the summer here and uh, working from home, the new normal. Cool. Do you, uh, do you did you used to work or were you in the future work in that really cool New Balance building that you can see from the highway? Yeah, that's our global headquarters right there in the Alston Brighton area, right off the, the Mass Pike. That's where we were working every day and our offices are now delayed until... Uh, November 1st opening where we will have a hybrid working schedule of two days, two days in and three days out. Cool. Are you a prefer to work from home guy or do you, do you like the office? I think that there's a balance, right? I mean, I think a lot of people have enjoyed extra time with their family, getting into new hobbies, not commuting, but then there is the social and collaborative and communicative component of working in the office where you know, great ideas come from brainstorming in rooms and the the casual pass by. So I think there's there's definitely benefits to both and a hybrid model will be able to get the most out of our associates and everybody will be happiest, I think. Cool. I think, I think that sounds legit. I'd, I'd go for that for sure. <laughs> cool. So obviously, since we said everybody knows New Balance, tell us a little bit about what's going on right now. What are you excited about that's going on with the brand? So we live by the the notion that the death of all great brands lies in stagnation. So what we're always trying to do is push ourselves forward and be the ultimate challenger brand, testing the limits, doing things differently, challenging the status quo. 
and really progressing ourselves to be the best version of ourselves moving into the future. We have a lot going on right now. We just concluded the Olympics where we had 102, we had 102 athletes participating, won over 30 medals, 14 gold medals. And one of our athletes, Sydney McLaughlin, actually set the world record in the 400 meter hurdles. Wow. Um, this was by far our most successful Olympics as a brand. Moving forward, we have a wide range of collaborations in the streetwear and fashion space that we'll be launching throughout the rest of the year and into 2022. We have the start of the Premier League season with some new athletes that will be repping New Balance, as well as the NBA, Major League Baseball playoffs, and a lot of great upcoming sneaker launches. So we're keeping ourselves busy and constantly striving to uh, improve in everything that we do. Yeah, I guess so. It sounds like you guys have a lot going on. How has not all being in the same place at the same time in terms of your mind power, how has that changed things? We've always been a nimble organization. And about two years ago, we set out to embody being the most radically agile company within our industry, making decision and moving forward with conviction. And I think once that mindset was instilled, even before the pandemic became, it enabled us to really adapt to new situations timely and readily uh, by assuming that mindset as an organization. So we've actually been able to maintain productivity pretty effectively. Again, it's been challenging not to be with some of your closest friends and coworkers face-to-face for over a year. However, with Microsoft Teams and Zooms and uh, enhanced communication and just like common value alignment and teamwork, we've really been able to have a very successful pandemic from a business standpoint, Mm -hmm. um, while simultaneously focusing the efforts of the organization to give back to communities in need and really people suffering all over the world from the pandemic. For sure. So how about on the production end? Have you guys been uh, probably on the other side of that wave now, but were you guys really affected by uh, the pandemic in terms of supply? We, We have been affected by supply and we continue to be affected by supply. And part of our part of New Balance's fiercely independent mindset and how that comes to fruition and how that comes to action is actually owning our own footwear manufacturing facilities. So we own a number in the United States and one in the United Kingdom, and we're actually the largest uh, sneaker brand of our size to own our own factories. With that comes a tremendous amount of positive, but also a tremendous amount of logistical responsibility and operational responsibility. And last year, uh, we did have to shut down our factories in New England for a number of weeks, which created a bunch of supply challenges. But, you know, we maintain that Made in USA and Made in UK is our ultimate differentiator as a brand. And it really enables us to be the most premium sneaker brand in the world. And that's, that's our goal. It's always to be the best, never the biggest, and to always be the best version of ourselves. So those factories are a weapon for us from a brand and product standpoint, even though they may sometimes pose logistical challenges uh, on the operation side. For sure. Yeah, I was going to say, you really can't talk about New Balance without talking about the Made in USA line. That's so, so unique, um, especially given the size of the brand. Can you go into maybe some of those challenges that are posed, the logistical challenges and solutions that you guys have come up with in, in you know, your company's past? 
In, in regards to COVID in particular, I mean, that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty standard. Like the, mm -hmm. the, the companies were just, uh, the, the factories were just shut down because of number of associates who are working in them and not trying to transmit the disease. Sure. You know, we act, we actually had delays on certain components for products that were assembled in the U S in the Suez canal blockage, which was something uh -huh. that I never thought that I would <laughs> be dealing with. Sure. Um, so there's always, you know, being a, being a global organization with a global supply chain, you are impacted by macro and micro global economic challenges. And it's really comes down to a culture of teamwork, a culture of respect, a culture of integrity, and having a solution oriented and problem solving mindset that enables associates to kind of garner together, overcome obstacles and really push forward as a singular team. During the pandemic, we weren't able to make footwear because of the government restrictions, but what the, what, what the associates did do on the innovation, design, development, manufacturing, and supply chain side of the business, it's like if we can't make footwear to serve our consumers, what can we do to alleviate the challenges of this pandemic? So within a period of weeks, we were able to transfer our footwear manufacturing facilities in New England to actually making masks, serving local and national hospitals in need around the country. And if you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, nobody had masks right. and no, nobody had PPE. So we were able to really be agile and community and solution focused by moving our footwear manufacturing facilities to mask making facilities with the help of Mass General Hospital, Harvard Medical, et cetera. Doesn't that feel like forever ago? <laughs> I feel like that was like five, 10 years ago. That was so, so long ago. <laughs> uh, so Chris, what is your personal relationship with sneakers? Are you are you a, a footwear kind of guy? Are you a sneakerhead? Definitely. So I, I like to think that I have the best job in the world and the luckiest person in the world, not only because I have the best team that I get to work with every single day, but we work in such a fun industry where it's in, 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 encapsulated by sports, entertainment, culture, fashion, lifestyle, and being able to work so intricately with people who have those same interests and hobbies on product and content and business strategies where those strategy, where everything is ingrained it's it's a great feeling so I'm a, I'm a huge sneaker fan my favorite sneakers change weekly depending on what's catching my eyes at the moment For but sure. it's definitely a work-life integration situation versus a work-life balance cool yeah i know you know I, I have a handful of friends that are really into sneaker culture uh i'm really into boot and denim culture so i kind of get get it in a parallel universe um so i can imagine a lot of my friends like really being stoked to work in a marketing capacity for a huge sneaker brand. Uh, what does that, can you give me a little bit of insight as to what that, what that looks like? What's a day-to-day -day look like for you? What does a day-to-day, -day, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on every single day, Sure. but I sure. will say because we are a consumer brand and because we are so laser focused on our consumers, it's what you think it would be. It's, people working on sports specific products or content, people working on global lifestyle and fashion strategies that are integrating into London Fashion Week or New York Fashion Week. 
It's figuring out ways how to make our social channels and websites more engaging, uh, approving content that's going to be in emails or shown 75 times over the course of the Olympics, or on the merchandising side of the equation, deciding what the product offering is going to be in a given season, determining what the trends are in the fashion, athleisure, streetwear, and athletic space. So there's a lot of great objective and subjective challenges that are coming every day. Obviously, we are a large organization who is in charge with hitting certain revenue numbers, but we always want to do that in the most brand accretive way possible in a way that we're empowering our people to elevate ideas and bring to market stories and product and ideas that they care about. That's sure. That's that's the best way that I can describe it. I think um, just off the tip of my tongue. Yeah, that's great. And then all of a sudden, you know, sometimes a shipping lane will get jammed up, and you have to do something else that day. <laughs> there's there's always there's always a component in putting out fires, just sure. because we have so many things going on, and we we like to really consider ourselves to be a 115 year old startup company that's focused on tomorrow. So it comes with all of the great things that come with a startup but also some of the challenging things. So a lot of people are beginning new projects always at different points in time. We encourage a, a culture of calculated risk-taking and experimentation. Um, that's a lot different than larger corporations that are that, that are analogous to our size, but we, we really try to foster that entrepreneurial spirit and embrace that idea of being a 115-year-old startup company. What does, what does kind of the ideation process look like? And I'm not sure if this is exactly where, where you come into play, but I'm sure you have a hand in it somewhere. Where does an idea come from and how does it turn into a sneaker that arrives on your doorstep? So it's, again, it goes back to that entrepreneurial spirit and creating like a culture of autonomy. And we, we really do strive to have a flat creative culture. So at a macro level, we do have seasonal trends and seasonal themes whereby designers, content makers, developers, product managers, you know, work within the confines of those macro themes or those macro theses. But how it ultimately works is a product manager or a marketing manager will be in charge with activating a certain product or a certain story, create a brief to either a design team or an agency and manage that process throughout its journey until it comes to market. And what we always try to do in order to maximize our market impact is to have a great product story combined with an authentic New Balance global ambassador and launch that during the right cultural moments. So that could be one of our world football players launching a collaborative football boot during the World Cup. It could be Jaden Smith launching his new sustainable signature shoe on Earth Day. But it's all about the right product story, the right ambassador at the right cultural moment, and ensuring that it's brought to life uh, in the most branded creative manner possible, possible. And that ranges from, again, the individuals who are making the brief, designing the product, creating the content, and aligning that with different levels of the organization to bring it to market in a way that's authentic to the New Balance brand. That's a lot of moving pieces going on at the same time. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> it sounds like you have your plate very full. How do you keep that organized? 
I think it starts with having the best people. Like I, our, our team is world-class and uh, totally gets the industry, our brand and how to make things impact the market the best way possible. It comes with having great leaders in the organization, a great structure, but ultimately what it comes down to is great communication, great collaboration, and extremely clear direction. We have a lot of touch points throughout the course of weeks, months, and years, whereby we set clear goals. Uh, we have clear feedback sessions on content, on product, on overarching brand direction, um, and clear clear hierarchical structure where uh, we 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 don't want to be overly bureaucratic, but we want to have the right systems and processes in place to yield the best results. And again, it comes down to total teamwork and focusing on what we want the consumer to be digesting and loving about our brand. Sure. So while we're talking kind of about uh, that, you, you mentioned the customer's perspective, and I want to talk a little bit bigger picture about the more recent history of the brand. Like we can, I think we can all, all agree the last five years, the world has changed a lot, the way that we view the internet, the way that we get products out there. Um, how has the kind of process behind telling the New Balance story evolved over your time with the brand? That's a great question. And I would say over the course of the last six or seven years, we have really made a pivotal transformational shift into being a great products company to a great brand. And if you think about six or seven years ago, the, any feeling that a consumer would have for New Balance would be tangible, meaning this shirt is lightweight, these shoes are super comfortable, the leather on this product is high quality, touch it. We wanted to make sure that we were shifting that consumer emotion to not a tangible feeling, but something that they felt inside of their hearts, inside of their minds on what New Balance represented. We also knew that we needed to create a better emotional connection with consumers and bring new consumers into the brand. So the transformational shift was really about making ourselves into, moving ourselves from a great products company to a great brand. And, it, and what we landed on was this notion of being fiercely independent since 1906. We wanted to convey to consumers that we were a company with a rich heritage and a rich history. However, we were a 115 year old startup company that was focused on tomorrow. And there's this distinctive difference between being a heritage brand versus a brand with heritage. Our goal is to always be a brand with heritage versus a heritage brand, because we're constantly striving to innovate. We're constantly striving to take risk, break our own barriers. And we know that we need to disrupt ourselves before we become disrupted or before the industry becomes disrupted. And then the second component of fiercely independent since 1906 was that notion of independence. We are an independently owned and run brand, which enables us to do things like creating shoes in the United States and the United Kingdom, like 
putting a clause in every one of our ambassadors, partners, and athletes contract, they have to give back to charity and they have to give back to the community. And oftentimes our business plans and our business strategies have a three to seven year completion rate versus a one to three year completion rate like some of our competitors because we're not beholden to Wall Street. So we're really able to make decisions that allow us to be the best version of ourselves versus the biggest version of ourselves and foster that culture of calculated risk excellence that we talked about. So fiercely independent since 1906 was really the pivotal, pivotal moment in bringing our brand to life in the 132 countries that we serve in a more modern fashion. And it was a catalyst for us to increase our athlete roster uh, and, and entertainment roster with some of the most well-known stars in the world who resonated with that fiercely independent mindset and wanted to be part of the ultimate challenger brand. Sorry, I ran on there a little bit, but it was a loaded question. No, so I, I, I think that's good. That's all great stuff. Um, <laughs> so fier- fiercely independent. Um, I have to have to ask how much of the like Massachusetts Boston ethos plays into that. How much do you think of that plays into that mindset for the company? It, I would say it plays in in some. Boston's our home. Boston's where our world headquarters are located. It's inherently part of our DNA as a brand. However, the mindset of the organization and the culture of the organization, I would say, is fairly separate or you know independent sure. from oh, okay. from, from Boston itself. <laughs> For sure. So while 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 there are intrinsic connections. It, I would say it doesn't have a ton to do with our fiercely independent mindset. For sure. For sure. I think it is, it certainly is a part of the culture around here. <laughs> you know, Definitely. just maybe it's a nice, nice serendipity to it. Cool. So obviously this is a little bit of a different perspective from the chair that you're sitting in right now, but thinking about, you know, the AF community of small business owners, founders, people that are doing all the things on their own, maybe with another person or two. I'm wondering if from the position that, you know, from the viewpoint that you have, if you have any insight to what you think the next couple of years are gonna look like in terms of effective strategies to get your brand, the lifestyle of the brand and the product out in front of people that care. That's that's also a great question. And there's so many different macro and micro trends that have occurred within our industry over the course of the last three years, many of which the pandemic accelerated. Two of the largest, I would say, one, consumers are going to be much more drawn to purpose-driven brands, meaning do the values of those those brands reflect what I believe as an individual? That could be in the realm of sustainability, it could be in the realm of social justice or injustice, or it could be is this product product a quality made product where I know where the origin of this product is coming from? Sure. I think purpose-driven brands, transparency on what brands stand for, where their products are coming from, and what their internal mindset and initiatives are is absolutely crucial moving forward. From a tactical standpoint, I would say things are moving a lot more digital as we know that we know we knew retail was moving towards the digital landscape 
at a rapid pace prior to the pandemic. The pandemic's accelerated that transition, I would say four to five years, sure. uh, faster than we ever could have thought. Um, it served as a catalyst for digital growth and digital ambition of brands. However, I don't think that that mitigates or eliminates in-person experiences. It's important to be cognizant of the fact that every trend creates its opposite, right? So there absolutely will be need for in-person experiences, pop-up shops, brand expressions at brick and mortar retail. However, it can't be done in the traditional sense. I think entrepreneurs, retail managers, or individuals working in larger companies need to re-question re and rethink about the role of retail and what type of experience you're bringing to the consumer and utilizing retail as an absolute uh, brand touch point. From a product collection standpoint, you know, I think it's going to require designers, manufacturers, product managers to be more flexible, more agile, and more resilient as they plan their collections. I also think that there are going to be narrower skew counts with longer life cycles and more meaningful assortments to the consumers. There, there's just been so much product released into the marketplace. And I think fast fashion accelerated that. And if we go back to like every trend creating its opposite, the opposite of fashion is a product that lasts forever. And if we're narrowing our assortments and making more meaningful consumer experiences and trying to create longer lasting, more sustainable, better quality footwear and apparel, uh, that's something that we are religiously focused on delivering to consumers around the world. I mean, I'll, I'll say, I kind of put my consumer hat on to listen to your answer. It doesn't sound so bad. It sounds like the world might, might be getting a little better. Maybe we've smartened up. I think that all sounds, uh, I like those trends if that's where we go. <laughs> Me too. And I, it, I mean, it, it does come back to being we purpose-driven and we had the opportunity to reset how we make products, how we think about our product assortments and what our goals are moving forward. And we have extremely ambitious sustainability goals in the factories that we owned, ranging from 100% renewable energy in all of our factories and operations by 2025, utilizing 50% recycled polyester in every product that we have, and then 100% environmentally preferred leather in our footwear. We've also uh, created new refurbishing programs. We've created a program called Made Responsibly, whereby we're using all of our factory scraps to create shoes that are that are one of one. Consumers don't know what the shoes look like, but they do know that they're fully sustainable, that they've come from factory scraps, and every single shoe we have is different. So, you know, you have to think long-term and you have to combine your corporate social responsibility ambition into delivering meaningful consumer experiences and just totally harmonize your corporate behavior, understanding the impacts of your decisions, but still making great, cool products with amazing stories that's going to look and perform awesome. 
love it. That's you guys in a nutshell. Where is the best place for people to keep in touch and, and see more things that are coming down the pipeline with New Balance? I would definitely look at any of our social handles, particularly within the Instagram realm, ranging from the brand handle, which is all things you need to know about New Balance globally, and then more of our endemic and targeted handles like New Balance Lifestyle, New Balance Basketball, et cetera. But I, I would say Instagram is the best spot or sign up for our loyalty program to see what's rocking out in the next few weeks and months to come. Cool. I dig it. Chris, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your summer morning to chat with us today. Uh, look forward to getting this conversation out to the world. I think you had some really good little insight there. Whether you're running a big company, a small company, or, or buying from any, I think there's something to be taken from this conversation. So I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for thanks for having us and happy to participate in what you guys are doing. And it's, it's an honor to tell the story of of, of what we do and all of our great associates around the world. So thank you. For sure. We'll have to do it again sometime. Definitely. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Chris. All right. See you. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found.